Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. Amen and amen. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, please. We'll start there. We won't stay there very long. In fact, I think what I'm going to get you to do is go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to review for you a little bit of where we were last week, last time we met, on the continuing process of growing up. How many of you know that as long as you have life and breath, it is God's desire that you and I spiritually grow? Do you know what happens to stop growing. All you got to do is nothing. That's all you have to do. Because if you get in neutral, you'll roll downhill. If you stop walking, breathing, moving, your muscles will go through something called atrophy. And all you have to do is nothing. Do you know that spiritually, to stop growing is the saddest thing in all of life. Russell, I've seen people in their 80s and 90s who have physical life, but it's just a shell because spiritually they have stopped growing and gaining intimacy with the Lord and learning more. The Spirit of God has asked me, This has been on my mind now for a couple of weeks. Am I growing? Am I growing? You see, it's it's not an elective, bud. It's a requirement if we walk with the Lord. I said if we walk with the Lord, it's not an elective. It's a requirement. I don't care what age or stage you may be in physically, chronologically, spiritually, when we stop growing, We have disobeyed the Lord and grieved His Spirit. Last time we talked about some of the issues in 1 Corinthians 3. Paul writes to the Corinthians and tells them that he would love to be able to feed them with meat, but they couldn't handle it. All he he could give them was just milk because he said, because you were still babies. We talked a little bit about the characteristics of a baby. A baby cries when he's uncomfortable. He demands that all of the world pay attention to him. It's all about him. We don't say how pitiful that is. We say, how, oh, what a cute little baby. And pick them up, feed them, comfort them, change them. It's part of being a baby. But Paul says, by this time, you ought to be able to feed yourself. You ought to be able to feed yourself on the the meat of the Word of God and not be constantly have to be nursed or fed a bottle. You ought not to constantly be dependent. In fact, what you guys have done is you have become hero worshipers. You said, well, you know, I'm, I'm following Apollos, I'm following Paul. No, I'm following Cephas or Peter. 
You, part of being immature is being a hero worshiper. Can I tell you something? We are becoming immature if we put all of our faith and trust in the servant rather than the master. Can I tell you something? You're looking at a pastor right here who's been around a long time, but I want to tell you this. If your faith and trust is in me or any other spiritual leader, you're making a sad mistake. There's only one worthy of worship, and that's the Lord Jesus. Only one. Now, the, the Word says that we're to, to give honor and respect, and I meet with, Dina and I meet with our, our pastors at Covering. We talk with them frequently, met with them just the other day. Ask for prayer and counsel and covering. Look, it's the right thing to do to honor those who are over you in the Lord. But these guys were so immature, they were putting all, they're put their trust in the servant rather than the master. And Paul takes them to task about that. It's a sign of being a baby. You're constantly dependent on somebody else. You haven't learned to feed yourself. You haven't learned that you are not the center of the universe around which all of life <laughs> go. That's, that's a baby. So we talked last time about that. We talked about uh, some very special things there about <laughs> the sobering part is that we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, that's not for the believer to decide whether we go to heaven or hell. That has already been decided the moment you receive the gift of grace. That is eternally sealed. Hallelujah. Our salvation is not based on our ability to perform. It's based on His performance on our behalf and our willingness to receive it. Can you say amen to that? It's by grace we're saved through faith. But how many of you know that there will be rewards won or lost based on our obedience to the one who saved us and stewarded us with his life, his gifts, his opportunities. We talked about that. But now today, I want us to, to see a, a command there in Ephesians 4. And um, the Ephesian church is, by many Bible scholars, is looked on as the most mature um, group of uh, a church because they had had so much teaching. The book of Acts tells us that Paul spent two years every day teaching, teaching the Word of God, the apostle himself, two straight years. He sent an assignment there for, to, of leadership to his son in the faith, Timothy. It was very, very special to him. But I want you to see here Chapter 4, let's look at verse 14, that we should no longer be children. See, it doesn't matter how much information you have. What matters is how much revelation you get. Because you can have all this information like the Pharisees had, but if you don't have revelation of the Lord himself and an intimate walk with him, we're still going to be children. You should no longer be children tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Do you know that in this world today, there is every wind of doctrine floating around there? All you got to do is turn your computer on. Every wind of doctrine. How many of you know the wind changes all the time? 
Be careful that you judge every, every doctrine that you hear. Be careful that you judge it on the basis of the inner voice of the Holy Spirit and the written final word of God. Children are easily swayed. Don't be a child anymore. Tossed about with every wind of doctrine and the trickery of men. How many of you know that the devil uses the trickery of men to get people off the sound basis of the Word of God? In the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. How many of you know that Satan plots plans on how to get you off the base of the Lord Jesus and His Word. But what do we do? Verse 15, speak the truth in love that we may grow up. Everybody say this with me. I need to grow up in all things into Him who is the head, Christ. If you think that just because you've been born again for a number of years that you're grown up, can I tell you something? That doesn't automatically mean that you're grown up. In fact, regardless of how long you and I have been in the kingdom of God, have been born again by the Spirit of God, it doesn't matter. we still got to grow. We will displease the Lord if we stop growing. And all you've got to do to cease growing is nothing. Become passive. Become a consumer rather than a depositor. Our spiritual muscles go through atrophy when we, when we stop growing in the love of God and the truth. Well, <clears throat> so let's take a look at this thing in Second Peter chapter 3. Would you go there with me? Second Peter chapter 3. And I want us to look at uh, verse 18 here. Thank you, Deborah, for putting that up on the screen for me. <clears throat> our job, our command in Holy Scripture is that we are to grow. How do we grow? In the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and forever. Here's a question for us. Are we learning more about who He is and what He's like? Or have we made a decision of laziness to say we already know all that? Everybody say this with me. I have no excuse for a lack of growth. I am commanded, and it's up to me to make the decision to grow in the Lord. To grow, regardless of what age or stage you're in, growth is our command. Grow in what? In the grace and in the knowledge of, do you know him more and more? Do you know him more and more? You know, uh, that was a beautiful song uh, today, Mike. Thank you. It's one of my favorite. It was also a great song that I know you sing. The longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. The longer we serve him, more of his love he bestows. Are we growing? But notice what it says here. Grow in grace. The Word of God says that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. So what does that mean? 
He grew spiritually, favor with God. He grew in wisdom, in the knowledge of God through the Word of God. He grew in stature. He, he physically grew and developed. And he grew socially in favor with God and in favor with man. We're to grow in all of these ways, but I want to focus today on growing in grace. What is grace? The Bible says God is characterized by what? God is love, agape, unconditional, unrelenting, undiminished love. But that agape, that perfect love of God has a way of expressing itself. And the foremost expression of that love is grace. Grace is a powerful force. You've already experienced grace today. God, gr listen, God, grace is God's favor and God's ability. Two ways that the Bible describes grace is it's the favor of God. Did you know that the Lord was excited when you got up this morning because you're his daughter, you're his son? You may not have had revelation of that. It might have been something you didn't enjoy or even think about. But God's favor is in you and on you if you belong to his son, Jesus. You're part of his family. You're going to live with him forever. God's favor is in you and on you through Jesus, his son. But not only his favor, but his ability, his supernatural ability to do things that you can't do in your own natural strength. Supernatural ability. You ought to get up every morning. Those of you who are in business, you ought to get up every morning and thank God that the favor of God is in you and on you and that you've got supernatural ability to prosper and succeed in whatever God's assigned you to do. The favor of God. You have His favor and you have His ability. It's called grace. I mean, you had common grace today. We can refer to it as common grace. You got up this morning. You're not in the hospital. You had clothing. You had food. Hey, you even had transportation to get here. That, that's favor. I bet you you have at least one somebody in your life who loves you. It's favor. It's favor of God. The ability to God to, to operate in this world. It may be something that we take for granted, but it is a gift of God's grace, His, His favor. He holds us in a place of favor. But let's look at some of the ways that that grace is expressed. All of us have grown up as believers knowing about saving grace, right? Some of us grew up in uh, biblical traditions where saving grace is all we basically <laughs> ever heard about, right? <laughs> By grace, God's favor and ability, you are saved. Through faith, and even that's not of yourself. It's a gift of God. Not on the basis of works, lest anybody could boast and say, I did it myself. You're saving grace. If you receive the saving grace of the Lord, say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. 
I remember that day so many, 60 some odd years ago, Archie, that the Lord opened my heart to believe and I received that gift of grace. Never be the same. The saving grace of God. Would you give God thanks for saving you in grace? It was His grace that saved you. You received that gift. There's, there's practical grace. Do you know that there's financial grace? Now listen, some of you need to hear this. God made me put this in there today. <laughs> there's financial grace. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul writes a letter to the Corinthian believers in gratitude for their willingness to invest in the kingdom of God and its purposes and the needs of God's people. And he talks about how the material resources that they, they give is, in his eyes, it's like seed. He calls it seed. And it's from that seed that harvest comes. See, many people think that they get... <clears throat> I'm just not going to say that right yet. When I was younger, I would have, Joe. <laughs> it's the grace of God. See, when we get to heaven, we may find out that our living may have come from our giving. Hmm. And what 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says in that letter, God is able to, listen, to cause all grace to abound to you. In the context of finances, God is able to cause all grace to abound towards you, that you always have all sufficiency and even an abundance for every good deed he's assigned for you to do. Do you know that God's grace and his favor is on the financial seed that you sow? Yes, it is. And I want to tell you something. He knows far beyond the financial books. You may think you are in a certain place today, but I want to tell you, heaven it never goes into recession. There's no shortage there. And God is, listen, God is able to cause all grace to abound towards you so that always having all sufficiency, you may have an abundance for every good deed. So get in covenant with God on the sowing and reaping process. God will cause grace to come. You say, well, pastor, things are just awful right now. Uh, it's never been this tight. Can I tell you something? The Lord has the ability to change all that. Our job is to stay in an intimate place with Him and trust and obey His Word. There is financial grace. I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, please. There is sustaining grace. This passage has been debated forever. <laughs> hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Can I tell you that there are a lot of um, preachers who believe that they know exactly what all this means. But I want to tell you, nobody knows for sure. 
I've heard all sides of this, and nobody knows for sure. But let's take a look here at 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry, chapter 12. Did I say 9? I meant chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, in verse 9, and Paul talks about, he says there in verse 2, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or whether out of the body I don't know. I don't know, he's saying, if the Lord actually transported me temporarily into the heavens it, before the throne of I don't know if that's what happened or uh, that was something that took place. It was a spiritual thing that took place and my feet were still on the earth. I, I still don't know, he says. It was that powerful and that gripping to me. I know such a man, whether he was in the body, whether I was actually physically transported into the presence of God, or whether it was just spiritually, God took me somewhere, but my feet were still here. God knows how I was caught up into paradise, and I heard inexpressible words, which I can't, it's not lawful for me to even tell you. I can't even speak it. Of such a one, of that person, he's talking about himself, I will boast, yet of myself I will not boast. Except, listen, I will not boast except in my own, in my infirmities. That word infirmities is translated weaknesses. Sometimes it's also translated sicknesses. It is something where you are in a weakened condition. Whatever the extra, without strength. For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will speak the truth, but I refrain, lest anyone should think of me above what's, what, what he should think or hear from me. Now watch, verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. You mean Jesus himself had a conversation with me heaven lest I should be exalted above measure and everybody starts worshiping me a thorn in the flesh was given to me a messenger of Satan to buffet me to beat me is what the word translated means I was getting beat up by a messenger of Satan Whatever this condition was, whatever this place of weakness was, whether it was a physical ailment, whether it was just extraordinary weakness, whatever it was, it had wrestled Paul to the ground. And so in verse 8 he says, concerning this thing. See, some of y'all think that you have a great, a great experience with God and then the down breaks and all kind of stuff starts happening and somehow you've lost contact with the Lord. That's not true. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Okay, now wait a minute. Is Paul a novice Christian? Yes or no? Is he a man without faith? Not at all. So understand here that this was God's man. He's written 12 books of the New Testament for sure, not at the writing of this, but 
eventually in 13 perhaps and and look he says I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me I pleaded with the Lord I begged the Lord don't let me have to go through this you ever been there you ever been there I pleaded with the Lord, take this away from me. And he, verse 9, the Lord Jesus said to me, my what? My favor, my ability, my grace is sufficient for you. It's all you need. For my strength is made perfect. It actually gets developed when you are weak. Sometimes we need a greater level of grace than a greater level of relief. Sometimes we need to, be, to get more connected with the grace of God than we do to be relieved of this pain we're in. How many of you say that's my favorite verse in the whole Bible? <laughs> All zero of us. And then he says, therefore, here's his attitude. Most gladly, I will boast in my infirmities, my weaknesses, my pain, that the power of Christ may rest on me. Jesus, if this is true, that your grace is sufficient for me and you, your strength, your strength is going to be perfected and even given more and more levels of that strength to me in the, in, in the platform of my own weakness, I will glory in that. Therefore, there's, you see it, 16? Therefore, I take pleasure in this pain, this, in these infirmities, in reproaches, all the rejection that I experience as a follower of Christ, in needs that I have that are not immediately met, in persecutions, in distresses. How many of you, how many of us would pray for that? I rejoice in those for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. If it's true, Lord, that your strength is made perfect in my weakness, then I'm going to say I will take pleasure in that. I won't gripe and complain and always uh, cry out, get me out of this, get me out of this. I will say if your strength, if your grace accesses me and works through me in a way that brings you glory, then bring it on. Remember what Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is perfected in your weakness, in your pain, in your infirmities even. Hmm. Sometimes God is more interested in our development in his grace than he is in our 
relief from our circumstances. Not popular preaching, but the truth. But here's some good news for you. Have you ever thought about this? Many years later, look, listen, this thorn didn't kill him. He went on to serve mightily, and actually the power of God came on him, and he wrote multiple epistles from his position of imprisonment. You and I are studying what he wrote today. The thorn didn't take him out. So many Christians read this and they get afraid and they say, oh, it's a thorn, Paul had to do it, and he's going to say my grace is sufficient. The power of God came on him in a greater level. This thorn did not do him in or take him out. He went many, many more years ministering and bearing fruit for the glory of God. So don't lose the context of this, and don't let this episode, look, do you know that you're not going to find any other place in the epistles, even those he wrote later, where he talked about this thorn? God's grace made every, met every need that that thorn produced. say, what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that the Word of God says that God's grace is greater than anything you can't get immediately relieved from. It's favor and ability. Favor and ability. So God's grace not only saves, not only grants favor, ability in the area of material, financial resources. It sustains us. Look, this period of time when we pray and ask God, Lord, please resolve this, whether it's your child, your marriage, your finances, your, your health, your loved one's health, this, the, this wrestle us to the ground and we pray and we beg God to remove it from us. Pastor, is that sin? No. It's not sin to be asked to be released from that. Remember, remember later on Paul wrote a letter in, in, to the Philippian church and he said, don't be anxious about anything. Instead, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Don't let your water get broken just because it's been a while. It's okay to pray like Jesus prayed. Father, let this cup pass me. That's what I want. Let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. If Jesus can pray that, you can sure tell the Lord what you would like to happen, knowing that it's in his sovereign hands. Yeah. In fact, there are some things that I believe God would answer for you that you don't receive because you don't ask. Hmm? Hmm? Now what James 4, 2 says, 
we don't receive because we don't ask. Our asker gets broken. So don't be afraid you're going to ask for the wrong thing. The Word says, ask the Lord for what you desire in prayer, knowing and asking, Lord, if you want to overrule this because there's something higher and better, I receive and just give me revelation of it. But don't quit asking. There's sustaining grace. Uh, listen, there's, there, there are too many expressions of grace than I ever can tell in a sermon, but I'm going to close with this. Go to, go, go to the book of Hebrews, please, from Second Peter, and, and, and if you don't have it with you, Deborah's got it up there for me, Hebrews 4.16. I want you to pay attention to this very, very carefully. What a magnificent promise this is. I, I heard Tony Evans this week. I, I love and appreciate him. I learned from him. And I heard him say something that really stuck with me. I'll get to that in a minute. Look, chapter 4. Verse 14, seeing then that we have a high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. How many of you know that the high, the high priest is in heaven? Hallelujah. Let us hold fast our confession, our confession of faith and trust in him. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, listen, but was in all points tempted like we are. Do you know that whatever temptation you're going through, Jesus went through it too? Yet he went through it without sin. He didn't give in to you. Since that's true, look at verse 16. Since that's true, let us come boldly. What does boldly mean? Does it mean to kind of wimp your way up there and do like I hear a lot of believers say, Oh God, I don't, oh Lord, you, you're so good to me and I'm not worthy of anything. And, and uh, I'm just, let us come boldly. As children to a father who loves you and has made you an heir. Are you praying that way? You're not demanding anything. You're embracing how he sees you. I come as an heir. I come therefore boldly to the throne of grace. Why can you come boldly to the throne of grace? Hebrews 10, 19 says this. The blood of Christ has given you access into the very throne room of God. Like, like uh, Tony said, do, do, do you know that as, as a believer, you have a passport to the very inner sanctum of God? It was bought by the blood of Jesus. Do you know how to show your passport? Through prayer. You have access to another land. You have access where heaven can affect earth. You have access to where God can do things that you can't do. You have access to heaven where he who knows all things and who is in love with you and made you an heir You've got access to that throne 
And the words here says, let us come boldly as sons and daughters to the throne of what? To the throne of grace. Throne of condemnation? Throne of inability? The throne of grace, God's favor. God's favor is on you because of Jesus. So you can come boldly knowing that it is a place of favor. You have access. You have a passport through the blood of Jesus. And through prayer you show that passport. And you declare boldly, Lord, I come boldly before your throne that I can receive that grace that's there. God's favor. God's ability. What do we get there? That we may obtain mercy. (laughs) Mercy. What does that mean? God has chosen to treat you in a way different than what our sin demands. Let me say that again. Mercy is God's willingness and desire to treat us in a way different from what our sin demands. God is holy and righteous and just, but he's also merciful. God has chosen to deal with us in a way different than what our sin demands. And that we may obtain mercy and find grace. God's favor and ability to help in our time of need. You in a time of need? If you're not, you probably will be in an hour or two. It's just life. Right? You say, I don't know, Pastor. The Lord must get tired of me bringing all this before him. (laughs) No. The Word of God says pray about everything. That's His invitation. Don't buy that lie. So would you be willing to take all those needs right now, those heartaches, those unfulfilled desires, all of those things, the desire for for wisdom and, and for God to put something together that looks irreparably broken? Would you come before the throne where you're welcome, where you're a son, you're a daughter in Christ Jesus, and will you come boldly knowing that there's mercy there? That the mercy of God has released you from the penalty of your sin through Jesus. And would you receive grace to help you in this time of need? I want everybody to bow their heads with me right now. I'm going to ask for the elders of our church. I'm going to ask Donnie and Jean in the back. And I'm going to ask Brother Mike Tribble, Brother Joe Malika to stand up here in the front on either side. And I know their needs here today. I know their deep, deep needs. Would you let us join with you as we access the throne of God? Can we touch and agree with you today? Would you right now just build an altar in your own heart and would you ask the Lord for revelation of that throne of God You have a passport there through the blood of Jesus. You're legally 
you're legally a citizen of that place. Heaven has the answer to every need you have. Would you come boldly to the throne of grace and find mercy and find grace to help you in this time of need? I'm just going to ask right now in these next few minutes that you would come to one of these men and let them pray with you and for you in agreement, in faith. For heaven's answer in your need. Just do it right now. Just get up right where you are and come. Somewhere.
wonder if there's anybody here today you'd say pastor life is truly piled up on me I don't really see a way out I desperately need to feel and know that mercy and that grace and I know it's never over till God says it's over how I need sustaining strength from the mercy and the grace of the Lord you don't have to come forward when you just stand right where you are I'm going to have a special prayer for you just stand right where you are Lord, you know all things. I ask you to intervene in a mighty, in a powerful way that you do what no man can do. That you bring resolution to every person in the sound of this voice who are crying out to you with that critical need. Give them some encouragement today. Bear witness to the revelation that heaven has heard you're at work. Hallelujah. We give you praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name. Well, I thank you today. Pastor Jeremiah is at the Church of the Pines in Lake Barton. They have 800 to 1,000 people there usually on this final day. He does it every year. Your pastors pray for you every day. You know our assignment's different from other assignments. We're all part of the same family. Our family gatherings just look different. Praise the Lord for the assignment He's given us in prayer and to cover other ministries. Thank you for your investment in that and your prayer for Dean and me and all your pastors. Go with God. He's going with you. And we'll see you next week. God bless you. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.